This is Todd from the Junkyard Outreach. Welcome and thanks for joining me. For more information and episodes, check out junkyardoutreach.com. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while walking in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So fellowship, that relationship between one person and another or between one person and God is vital to the believer. But the relationship must be founded upon the truths found in scripture. In other words, we as believers base our relationships with other believers on the foundation of Christ and we build up one another on that foundation. And in doing so, we strengthen one another. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. So godly fellowship, it sharpens us. It keeps that edge nice and sharp. This kind of fellowship, it gives us the opportunity to build up one another in the faith, strengthening and encouraging others in their walk with Jesus as they in turn strengthen us. So it's a mutual relationship. It's good. It's healthy for our spirit. But the problem comes in when we don't understand the purpose of fellowship, and instead of building each other up in the faith, we sort of decline to simply hanging out and talking about God. As John wrote in that previous verse we read, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, talking about Jesus is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. In the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. So we need to walk in the light, and that means abiding in Christ. We believe, we surrender to him, we stay put, living our lives in subjection to his will, and then we're on that path, that narrow, difficult road that leads to eternal life. And this is hard, especially when you're all alone in your walk with Jesus. You know, your family's not on board, your friends aren't on board. God gets a hold of you and kind of rattles your cage, and you're like, okay, I'm going to try this, and oh my God, you're real. This is crazy. Things are happening. And then you tell people about it, and they're like, oh, yeah, you got religion, didn't you? No, no, no. I got the real thing, man. Well, trying to find someone else who's got that real thing, who's excited about Jesus, man, that's hard. And you just have to pray, God, give me another believer that I can hang out with, I can fellowship with, I can build up, and they can build me up. And when we abide in Christ, when we stay that course, we discover something really interesting. Our purpose in life changes. We now understand that this life is merely preparation for eternal life, and what we do now influences our eternal state. So trying to make the best of this miserable life by obeying the Word of God, living in obedience to the faith, that becomes important to us. Because now we see that, yeah, there's going to come a time of not only accountability, but there's going to come a time of reward. And I want to be rewarded. I want my life to matter. I want my life to be something that God is pleased with. And I don't want to do the stupid things that jeopardize those rewards in heaven. Rather, I want to serve God in a manner that's real and true, finding that source of strength in His Word and in the ministry of the Holy Spirit who ministers to us. So when we connect with other like-minded believers, our focus should be on obeying God and building up one another, especially since there are so many things that constantly tear us down. We need each other, and yeah, we need to find those people. But finding them, man, that's a tough one. It can be challenging. But it's not impossible. You pray about it. God, send me a brother or sister that we can hang out with. Many professing believers don't think that abiding in Christ, serving Him, and especially obeying His Word is necessary, let alone desirable. They act spiritual as they live their unrepentant lives in things that disqualify them from the kingdom of God, according to the Word. Obey His Word. Oh, now you're going too far. You're extreme. 
Now, when you tell a lukewarm professing Christian that the Scripture opposes what they're doing, watch out, man, because here comes the hate. They don't want to hear it. So we build people up, but part of building people up also is being straight up with them. I've watched many people over the years go down the wrong road, and it's like, dude, what are you doing? Oh, man, I'm good. And a buddy of mine, good friend, love this guy. And he just started going down the wrong road. I'm like, man, are, dude, are you, you serious about this? No, it's all good. It's all good. And his whole life became a train wreck. Fellowship can become tainted or counterproductive when we get off track and allow darkness to invade and remain in our lives. And Paul addressed this in his letter to the believers in the city of Ephesus, where he says in Ephesians 5.11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Why? Because it dims our light. Remember, we were delivered from darkness, and part of that deliverance involved our eyes being opened and our ears now hearing what the Spirit says. When this happens, why do we want to willingly become blind again? Because many people love the darkness and are willing to return where they feel comfortable. Second Peter 2.22 What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit and the sow, after washing herself, returns to waller in the mire. Sad when you see people falling back into the world and falling out of fellowship. But godly fellowship creates a common bond among believers, especially when we suffer for Christ. You think about it. Become a believer, and now you're suffering, and you have someone that you're connected with, and you're talking about, yeah, man, I'm getting heat for this. Dude, I've been having the same thing happen to me, too. And Jesus is right there in the middle of them going, yeah, it's my boys. That's my girls suffering for me. Philippians 3, seven, Paul says, but what things were gains to me, these I have counted lost because of the Christ. Yes, indeed, I count all things to be lost because of the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, because of whom I suffered loss of all things and count them to be refuse that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my righteousness, which is of law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that is of God by faith to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if anyhow I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. That's Paul. Paul suffered a lot, and that was part of his ministry. God even told him at the beginning. He told Ananias, said, yeah, this guy's going to suffer a lot, and he did. And he uses his own suffering in the ministry as an example of having fellowship with Christ in his sufferings. I think that's really cool. I suffered for Christ, so Christ and I are fellowshipping together. We get it because Jesus suffered, and now we're suffering for his name, and that creates a bond. When we have fellowship with other believers who have also suffered the same things we have, we can mutually encourage one another and really lighten the burdens from the both of us. The person that is suffering in their lives with something that you've also suffered in the past or are suffering currently, it's a total opportunity, man, to come in and say, yeah, dude, I'm going through the same thing. Let's get together. Let's pray about this, man. Let's encourage each other. Let's lift one another up. Let's build up the body, edify one another. So fellowship in suffering can bring us closer, not only to one another, but also to Jesus. And the fellowship of faith, it creates that bond so there's confidence in one another's faith. So we can be straight up with one another, knowing that our faith bonds us together. We're on the same page. I know what someone else is going to say if I say, hey, this is what's going on. This is what the Lord told me. Okay, cool. I got that. This is what the Lord told me. All right, got that too. Okay, we're good. You know, we're on that same page. Paul writes to the guy named Philemon 
who was a friend of his, and he had a serious issue, and he was writing to him because they were both believers. There was a standard of love, of grace, and mercy that Paul could count on. He knew Philemon knew the Lord. He says in Philemon 1.4, I give thanks to my God, always making mention of you in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith that you have to the Lord Jesus and toward all the holy ones or the saints, the believers, that the fellowship of your faith may become working in the full knowledge of every good thing that is in you toward Christ Jesus. For we have much joy and comfort in your love, because the yearnings of the holy ones have been refreshed through you, brother. So he commends this brother saying, dude, you're legit. I'm hearing things, man. This is good. When I hung out with you, I know your character. This is really cool. Then he addresses the issue. And that just sort of breaks the ice. Look, brother, you're legit. Here's my issue. Okay, man, I get it. Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. I believe this is probably one of the most powerful verses in the scriptures because in it we find four fundamentals of the faith that when combined create a solid church as well as a solid individual. And fellowship is right in the middle. The apostles' teaching or the apostles' doctrine It was rooted in the Old Testament, and it was rooted in their experience with Jesus, and it would later become the New Testament. So we're constantly studying the Word, delving into it, and believing it. They were constantly fellowshipping with one another, building up the body of Christ. Read through the book of Acts. Take note of how many times the believers were gathered together, seeking the Lord and encouraging each other. The breaking of bread was the meals they spent together as they fellowshiped with one another, likely included the celebration of the Lord's Supper, which we call communion. They were hanging out together. And right in the center, you got Jesus, you got the Lord's Supper, and the prayers. Prayer was frequent, sincere, focused on God and His will. Half-hearted prayer really doesn't get us any closer with one another or with God. James 5.16, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Now things are happening. So fellowship, make it frequent, make it real, make it intimate, Sharpen one another, and you'll see the hand of God move. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, greet one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Thank you.